What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this new episode of Shaws and Kings. It's your boy Shaheen out here with Weapon X, Keith, and our guest for today's episode uh, goes by the name of Shavar. He's an Iranian Canadian MC, uh, and he is probably one of my favorite MCs. Period. Um, yeah, like it's shit's incredible. So, um, Shavar, man, what's good, man? Well, you wanna talk about yourself a little bit? What do you do? Well, thank you so much for that introduction, man. That <laughs> put me back a little bit. Um, I appreciate that, bro. Especially coming from an MC like you, bro. Seriously. Thanks, man. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, so I'm Shavar, aka Payam. Um, on my regular days, <laughs> uh, I'm a multimedia artist. I do um all sorts, all sorts of stuff from producing to rapping to making videos and so on and so forth um hopefully we'll find out more on the way i'm not really good at this whole introducing myself so <laughs> yeah so uh we i know that you told me that you've been making well at least you started writing rhymes from a very young age right like before you're even like 10 years old right yeah when i was six years old um my brother and his friends had this rap group called the cap dem crew and uh they there was a uh, like a rap group that consisted of five members and they were just lyrically dope like till this day I have uh one of their CDs it's kind of scratched up like it's I want to go try to fix it so I can listen to it without it skipping and stuff like that but just growing up with them um I looked up to them right so I would spin their CDs all the time more than most like mainstream artists and then uh try to be like them so um when I was six years old my brother and his friends were like writing and uh writing rhymes in the room having a little session and then recording on a karaoke machine with a cassette on it um and uh what they would do was was they would record like they'd get cds with like the instrumental versions of tracks um and they would record the instrumental with the microphone to the speaker on the karaoke machine and it would record onto the cassette and then you can double your vocals over that um mm -hmm. instrumental through that karaoke player, right? I remember so, um, I, yeah. <laughs> so I was dying to try it out. Um, and so I remember I, I wrote, I, I started writing my own little rhymes in my book without saying anything to them. And one of his friends came over and he's like, what are you doing over here? I'm like, I'm writing some bars. What you got? And I showed him, I remember it went, um, let's go play football and crack them all, sack them all, vibration, annihilating them all. That's all I wrote. <laughs> right? You were six. I was six years old. Yeah, I think the only words that rhyme was "crack and sack." <laughs> those are those are still better bars than like what a lot of these like mainstream rappers are putting out today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so props to you, man. I guess I don't know what that says about the game, but um. Yeah. So I wrote I wrote those bars, and then he helped me write the next few, right? And I remember so I. Let's go play football, crack them all, sack them all, vibration and island in them all. Soon they will be running when they see us coming, knowing that we gunning. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> like, what? What did that just, like, spitting that out loud and rhyming all those words together? I just remember the feeling it gave me. And, like, he he helped me write those bars. Like, Wait, and you came whatever. up with those, and, like, I know I just asked this 10 seconds ago, but you wrote that at six? Yeah, yeah, but the soon it will be running when they see us coming, that was all my brother's friend, Nizza. That was all him. Okay. He's like, write this after. And then I think it was him kind of planting a seed, right? Mm -hmm. So then, like, he did that. 
And then I, Sunil would be running when they see us coming, knowing that we gunning. I kill, and then I, I wrote, I kill for fun. I nail in this gun. And then I said, I'm going to hit you with the yes, no, yes, no, what, no, yes, no. Like it does. <laughs> <laughs> that shit made no sense. I don't know what I was trying to say. It's but like all that Pac Man stuff, like the Wu Tang thing with like ODB. It's just that vibe, that feeling, you know? <laughs> well, the philosophy of, the, of it is that the yes and the no is two different polarities. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't think anyway. ODB went that deep. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, please. <laughs> I'm so yeah, so like that was my introduction to, to, to hip hop and it kind of evolved from there, I guess. And um, yeah, I never took it, re- I never really took it seriously at all. It was just part of one of the artistic crafts that I um, I picked up along the way that I was in and out of until um, I was about 17 when we started really recording at um, my homie Pace's home studio a lot and trying to figure out mixing and making terrible music um until like you know we made a couple bangers that we really liked that i could still look back on and be proud of today um but we had to cycle through a lot of shit to get to that um but yeah now it's uh yeah exactly uh now like throughout like the endeavors like i picked up videography on the way when i was nine years old i would just like um either take my dslr outside of my home and and film stuff put it on my computer and then do like Windows Movie Maker shit just for fun, um, like basketball highlights with my friends and shit like that. Or um, I would film stuff on like a webcam, like little skits, <laughs> and we used yeah. to edit them. And I remember like we, we had this main thing where we would punch our chest when we swung to make the sound effect, you know, like, <laughs> of like punching somebody in the face. So like. We had like skits like that and shit and that we would edit together. And then um, I remember I started uploading on um, google.video.com. Yeah, so from like nine nine to like uh, about 12, I was doing these these videos on the computer just for fun, these little skits and stuff. So like cutting and and putting together videos, I figured that out at a young age. But I never really took it seriously, right? It was just for fun. I felt like I was wasting my time. Um, it's cool that you even at that young age, though, like you understood like very like fundamental concepts, like like sound effects, banging your chest for like a sound effect, and like I feel like most, I feel like most people, we even even in like their twenties or thirties, who just start learning about like uh, video editing. Like they don't even think about those kind of things that go into a, like come into play when you're editing videos, like these sound effects, that the punches, the kicks, the what you know, whatever it may be, you know. So it's pretty cool that you're able to just kind of like understand that like you need to create like some sort of external sound for it to like work. Yeah, that's a interesting way to put it. I never thought of it that way. Um, I have picked up on the fact that some people have the eye for things and some people have the ear for things and some just don't um some can develop it if they're aware that they don't because some, some people think they have an eye for like video or something or photos um and that, that that eye is also subjective to everybody but like when it comes to certain standards and qualities some have the eye and some can develop the eye and some just don't right so maybe I, with that with what you're saying um i had tapped into some sort of eye or ear for things at a young age 
That's real cool, man. So no, what's up? But, but go on though. So um, so if you said from like nine um, to twelve, you're doing yeah. yeah, yeah. So then um, I would I would just keep making videos just for fun and stuff like that. Then when I got into high school, uh, I took on this media class in grade ten where we made like short films and stuff like that. And um, it's actually it reminds me I made a short film that I'm trying to get my hands on again. Uh, from my my media teacher in high school it was called the descendant and it was a 12 12 12 to 15 minute uh short film about uh, what i what i tried to do what i attempted to do was take persian mythology and then modernize it into like a story right so i took um the story of i don't know if you know zahak and fedeidun the story with the snakes on zahak's shoulders and uh how the devil there he met the, he met the devil he kissed him on his shoulders and then yep. Fedeidun was the only man who could take him out by crafting a certain sword right so I took that I took that story because at the, at the end of that that legend Zahak gets casted to a mountain and and, yeah. and banished for eternity into the mountain right I forget which um, which mountain it was it might have been Kuadena or something but um he got he got banished to that mountain and then, so I thought it would be really cool to um, make it so he gets released from the mountain, so he gets set free. And the only person who could stop him is the descendant of Fedeidun. And then that was me in the story, right? So instead of meeting like a, <laughs> instead of meeting up with like a blacksmith and crafting a sword, I met up with an arms dealer and crafted a weapon. But he actually gave me a sword. But like, he was an arms dealer. You know what I mean? Just to give like like modern what what I tried to do with the modern twist um but yeah i'd be excited to like get my hands on and show you anyway so like my whole thing about that is i I took this course in high school that like really excelled that um videography part of me really excelled like i took a course in college and that wasn't even scratching the surface compared to what they were teaching me in high school right um i actually ended up dropping out of media in in college but anyway so like I had I started making music videos using those skills I learned in um, high school, the media the media class and stuff like that for like music we were making with my friends and shit. Um, but then like I didn't, I guess you could say like by some influence around me and my environment and stuff like I didn't believe that this shit could make money, right? So I ended up just following the footsteps of the rest of my family and going into like the construction industry. Um, I had, a, I had a really like promising career as like um, uh, I was an assistant site super at the time, but like I couldn't uh, have excelled and became the site super of the of high rise construction. And there's a lot of work in that uh, for that in Toronto, right? So um, I, I ended up doing that for four and a half years and then quitting, saying fuck this shit, not serving me, I don't like it. I, I'm gravitated towards the arts. I'm gravitated towards music. I'm gravitated towards videography, and I just took a leap of faith and yeah I I took that leap of faith three years ago and here I am today I have um, a multimedia business that I'm running it's operating it's doing very well and I'm making music at the same time and the trade-off for that is as long as I keep making music and I keep making content for myself then my business it keeps getting business right so instead of chasing the fame and chasing views and streams and shit like that I just want to (laughs) create yeah 
and uh, I can tell you as an artist, like, and you definitely understand, and uh, you know, Weapon also understands. It's like that. The whole game of uh, chasing views and streams and likes, like, it, it's draining, and it's exhausting, yeah. and you know, because like it's so. Uh, and when you focus on that, like, you really do feel um, taken away from the art. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people think a music career. Like, it's just like you're sitting there, like 95% of the time, you're like actually making music. The other 4% of the time, you're doing shows. And then, like, the 1% of the time, you're like fucking bitches, right? Like, they think like that's what it is, but it's so much like it's, you know what I mean? Like, I would honestly say, like, like if you're trying to do this, like, it's usually like 30%. Um, it's like maybe 30% of the time gets spent on music. You also have to spend a lot of time just creating different types of content for each social media platform. And th then it starts to feel like, wait, am I like chasing likes and followers now? You know what I mean? And, and I think like, that's a lot of the problems that like independent artists go through is that they cut, they, they, they catch themselves kind of forced into, um, you know, chasing things like, and then like that's when the anxiety levels go up and that's like when we feel bad about ourselves but it's cool that you kind of have like a uh multimedia business that like supplements your music yeah um that's uh that it, for a long time people were telling me um that i gotta start focusing on one thing and, and trying to make it grow right that was kind of the main rhetoric and I get that, man. It's it's great advice because when you do harness your attention onto one craft, um, it uh, it really it really you can grow in that craft a lot faster. Hence why, like this this last year, a uh, year year and a half since I dropped my my project Focus, um, this is the the phase that I felt comfortable as an artist, comfortable with the music that I'm making, comfortable with what I'm hearing out of what i'm making right um and that took a long time because i didn't get the chance to actually focus in on just rap the whole time so now i'm 29 years old and i'm finally comfortable with my sound right um but yeah the, the thing about that was i couldn't <laughs> there's i don't you can call it a disorder you can call it curious whatever but like i just couldn't focus on one thing I just I always wanted to do videography I always wanted to do music too but it needed just as much as attention um I always wanted to do graphic work I want I, I'm still growing in like learning animations and stuff like that right so um I, I do feel like at times and I, and I have felt like it in the past that I'm spreading myself thin but I can't ignore the reward of it like where I'm getting and where where I where I was before right um and yeah, yo, that's that's what it is. I just can't. I can't focus on one thing. So I, I have to do it all. So how my my challenge is how am I going to take all these things and put it into one thing? And I was like, multi, <laughs> multi blank. Well, it's media. So multimedia. And I kind of funneled it into one thing, um, which is what I'm grateful for. Like, yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. And the cool thing is, uh, like something that like a lot of people told me is, and I think you may have mentioned this to me as well, is that when you, uh, like, all right, like, let's say like, like uh, someone's focusing on like becoming a singer or a rapper or whatever it is, but like in today's uh, social media climate, it's like you can't just sing or rap, 
like you have uh, you have to like be able to produce so much content that you at uh, this is like the one good thing about that is that it kind of forces you to learn things so like for example with me it's like i became pretty damn decent at photoshop and uh i've like i know how to edit videos now on final cut pro like am i on the shavar level no but like you know like so like but it's it's good to know these things and because the more you know like now you have a business like you can all you can make and like you're pretty passionate about what you do so it's cool that you were able to use the skills you picked up on the way as you are becoming a better musician now you can monetize that and like continue like you know polishing that skill while you're making the music so it all kind of just comes together real nice yeah i hope so man i mean it's it's been together for um the last few months right so with all that said not to bring any negative light to what i'm doing but like that shit could go away any moment they could stop any moment the pandemic could, could change the way that society works tomorrow and things could be different right so like um god willing things just keep going the way that they're going if they do then i see a lot of light at the end of the road um yeah man it's definitely a, a blessing cool, not man. to say that there isn't like <laughs> there isn't a lot of challenges that comes with it right it's like at times I feel like my creative energy is being completely drained on everything but myself. Right. So that's like kind of areas that I'm trying to figure out how to balance. Um, Cause then like, I feel like I'm being productive and then I'll look back and be like, yo, I, I made one song in the last five months, one song. <laughs> and like all these artists. It's, uh, there you are. Yep. Right, right. Right. I'll, get, I'll get a phone call um all, the, all these artists hopefully it doesn't call back because i just ignored it right away but um <laughs> all these artists that i'm working with and collaborating with and doing music videos for and cover arts and animations for for them to release their music like i'm seeing their stuff drop left right and center right um so it feels like i'm being productive on the music side but then i'll look and be like yo i've had this one song fucking sitting here with this music video for five months now and i haven't even done anything with it so like yeah there's some like there's some balancing that I need to figure out and, and some obstacles I got to get around. Um, yeah. Without losing control. <laughs> mm. I think that so also the pandemic uh, created any new problems for you, like as far as creating content or putting stuff out. Yeah, it, it definitely brought amongst a lot of challenges at first. And then like my main rhetoric for this entire pandemic has been just like, all right, we got to adapt. Things are changing. We got to adapt. Right. So mm -hmm. like um, when the, the the month in January 2019, um, I had my first event that I ever curated uh, called the Rendezvous. And the Rendezvous was basically um, the premise of it is that I rent out a studio um, somewhere in Toronto and a bunch of creatives who are invited. Um, rendezvous at this location, create each other content and um, network and stuff like that. And um, so that first that that first event in January went really well. That was a free event. Um, so the we had an event uh, booked in March on March 21st, which was the same thing. Plus, there was like a DJ hired so that after that. The, the content creation and the networking and stuff there's a party they start spinning music performances and stuff like that right 
Um, so yeah, the rendezvous, it was like such a big vision in my head, right? Like, oh, I'm finally getting myself out there. I'm finally um, fully delving into the whole extrovert side of me. I get to meet different creatives that are, that are like-minded and stuff like that. Um, so that, that was that, but then the pandemic became a pandemic on March 11th. Yep. So, yeah, so like I, um, I had all these tickets sold and it's not, I say I, I, but it, it's me and my two friends, Wiz and Laura. Um, Yo, is that when you met, um, Dan Kramer? I think that's his name. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I ran my first event at his, at yeah, his yeah. studio called that Toronto studio. Dope dudes, man. Dope dudes. Yeah. Me and Keith um, met him at a, at a grounding camp event, like in New York a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Small world. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, he was he was amazing to deal with, man. And his, his studio is beautiful. Um so yeah, we had our event at his studio. Um and yeah, and then in March we, we had all our ticket all our um general tickets sold and some of our VIP packages, which were like pretty decent packages, right? The VIP packs are like if somebody wants to come pull up and shoot like one scene of their music video. I'll shoot one scene of your music video um, for a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? And I'll give you that scene. You can either come back and we can make a full music video out of it, or you can take the scene and make a music video out of it on your own or do whatever you want with it really. Um, so yeah, we had, we had like a few of those packs sold and stuff like that, but then boom, pandemic happened. Had to give back all the money. So- had to give back the deposit for the place and then figure out what the hell we're going to do from there. <laughs> So were these events yeah. like were they like free to go to like uh but then like you meet other creatives there or is it like you pay a fee to get in and then you yeah, it's like all these networking so the, opportunities available? The first one you we did was um was free to get in, um, but then we noticed like all of the guests who came they wanted like some footage or like pictures and stuff that they were like pulling photographers to the side. So we're like. There's value, there's value within this that, that we need to put a value on. So then there was a general admission, which was like 15 bucks for the second event. So general admission, you just pull up, you can bring your camera, you can just co- pull up and look fucking fresh if you want. You know what I mean? Um, get your pictures taken, get a couple like cameo videos in, and then you get it sent to your email, right? Um, so yeah, they, they, weren't, they weren't free, but they were cheap. It was just a general admission. That's really cool, man. That's like so shitty though that the pandemic just came and like fucked all that up because like that was the beginning of something new. And then, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, man. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess like the beauty though of it though is uh, well, not the pandemic, but I mean, like through social media, <laughs> there are opportunities to like come together. And even though people, I feel like people don't utilize it enough because people just are mainly on social media to look at like, you know, like cringy tiktok videos and shit like that but i mean like now we got apps like clubhouse and like yo like i'm very pleasantly surprised with how like i think clubhouse is a dope app um like you know you've been on it once uh shavar and like we were in that room once uh when you when you kind of threw me under a bus you're like yo shine you want to answer this question remember that (laughs) and and then, and then, like they're asking me, they're a, they're asking me, like, yo, what would you think if your girlfriend like started growing hairy armpits? And like, I like, I had to be honest about it. I'm like, and it was like, you're a, shape, and you could... you're I'm crying because I'm laughing this hard because 
when when because Shay asked us both, right? She's like, "Hey, uh, Shavar, Shaheen, if you guys want to," and I'm listening to the question. I'm like, "This is heavy." Mm. <laughs> hey, Shaheen, you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it was like a room. It was like a room full of like. No, I no disrespect. They're all great people, but uh, you know, but you can tell like uh, uh, where their viewpoints were on a certain matter. So if you were to like uh, express any view that may have like deviated from that, like you're you're yeah. walking on like thin ice. So it was, I was like, it was a progressive. It's a progressive community, and with progressive um, conversations that were happening, and it was like mm -hmm. it just takes for that one person to be regressive. In that situation, for everything to just be like, hey, you better shut the fuck up, buddy. <laughs> better men than I am, because I would have been blunt about it. Oh, God. No, but like, Shine was, Shine was honest about He was honest about it, as far as I know. Honest about it, and, and pretty blunt, pretty straightforward. And you actually killed it. You actually killed it, because I remember it was about, like, if, if um, you're okay with your girlfriend having hair and uh, armpit hair and all that stuff and i think your answer was um, along the lines of like well you know i'm conditioned to like a, a certain extent to like be attracted to certain things right and and as you're saying that i'm like hmm. same i am yeah. i am fucking conditioned to like certain things i am conditioned to like women with smooth legs and no armpit hair and stuff like that um is that okay i don't fucking know but is it true yeah, <laughs> yeah. It kind of is what it is. It's like, do I really want to spend the time to really rewire my brain to like uh, be attracted to armpit hair? Like, I just have other things to do in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think, I think that, I think maybe in a situation where like you, I meet a girl where she's an amazing human being, the best girl I've ever met. And then all, the only thing that's wrong with her is that, not wrong with her, from my perspective, is that um, she has armpit hair. And it throws me off. So am I going to scrap everything else just because of the arm right. armpit hair? Or am I going to try to rewire myself a little bit and be like, all right, this is this is clearly social conditioning as to why I feel this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like even I fucking yeah. shake down my armpit hair sometimes. Shit gets out of control, bro. I close my arms and still see the shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to wait for wait till she's drunk and shave it for her. <laughs> yeah, the solutions like that too. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, that, that, that works. But uh, but no, back to Clubhouse. So we we're just saying it's a great uh, opportunity to just meet new people within like that target audience you're trying to reach. And if you're looking for someone to like do photography for you or mixing and mastering for you, you know, like these these apps, like they do have opportunities to like just meet new people or. Or even Instagram, if you like, really search. So I mean, unfortunately, I mean, obviously, nothing beats in-person interactions, right? Like, um, like that's that's a given. But you know, just given what we have now, and I feel bad for you, man, because like you're in Toronto right now, and I heard your guys are going through another shutdown that just took place, right? <laughs> uh, I yeah. forgot the what's the guy's name? Like, is it the mayor of Doug Toronto? Ford? Yeah, Doug, yeah. Doug Ford, yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard that he's like. Yeah. He's like the uh, Ontario's version of Trump, right? In a way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get, you can say that. He's the premier of Ontario. He, he represents Ontario. What did, now? What does that mean in Canada? Does that mean like he's like a governor or mayor? He kind of just he kind of just forwards the messages. But like, yeah, I, I I think you can compare that to a governor. All right, because I know like I mean I'm not too familiar with 
Canada's a system. Like I know they have the prime minister and the parliament, and then okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm not that privy to everything that goes down in the political party, but I pay attention to like what the what the guy on the screen has to say because it it controls my freedoms. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. I'm already vocal about my governor. I should yeah. have him recalled, so uh, that'll tell you where I stand. Okay, guys. <laughs> but, um, uh, we won't go there right now. Um, what I will ask you, though, is you've um, obviously you've mentioned that you've worked both in a uh, a group dynamic and in a uh, from as a single artist in that capacity. Um, tell me. From both perspectives, what is, uh, what different dynamics do each or does each route have? And do you feel like um, from one end to the other, like from the group perspective that you can express different things that you can express as a solo artist and vice versa? Yeah, so like the group, the group that I was a part of, um, we went by Skybound Entertainment um, and that it, it consisted of me, my boy Rose, um, and my boy Pace, right? And the three of us have been brothers. Like, it's a brotherhood. It's not just a friendship. Like, we've been brothers since, um, since high school. And the group didn't come together. Like, the three of us didn't come together as a rap group because we decided, okay, we're, we're a rap group now. It was more so Pace the one guy that one of my boys that was part of the group he had uh, a mic in his sunroom in his apartment like a studio mic it was an apex 465 and uh or 460 and um so i seen it i was like yo what is that and he's like yo my uncle just lent it to me he said like if young dudes want to spit some bars try it out so then like the group kind of came together just by going into that sunroom and spitting and then seeing, oh yeah, we got something for it. Like we all can spit. It's not bad. Um and it and that cadence of us just being friends, close friends, and doing this activity activity together, it persisted for years. And we never got on each other's way, stepped on each other's toes, had any disagreements on anything ever. Um the only reason we didn't continue to rap as a group is because my one boy Pace, like he's doing extremely well in um, doing uh, his construction, um, general contact contracting business. He's doing extremely well, and he chased that and whatever. He he has his own story that's like insane. But um, so then if that leaves kind of me and Rose, right? And me and Rose. Um, have been rapping together, creating together ever since high school, since that group and everything. Um, and till this day, we just help each other out as much as we can. Now, I, I am a solo artist. I release solo music mostly, but um, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without that collective energy of my tribe. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, that's an excellent question, man. I, I don't think I can separate it though. That's the thing. I don't think I can separate it and be like, this is what the solo path felt like. This is what the group dynamic felt like. Like it was, it, it, it still feels like, like I was my own entity within that group. 
and so were the other two members. And like, I'm still that same entity, still moving kind of in the, within the same momentum. And I wouldn't be able to do it without them. Still to this day, like, wouldn't be able to do it without them. I understand, totally relate. Um, for Toronto though, you're the, that's, uh, I definitely know that I had the opportunity and the pleasure of visiting on one occasion. Really enjoyed my visit, I gotta say. Um, wanna go back, but um, what I was getting at was, I do know that even though you guys are doing hip hop out there, which, um, which I love, I've always kept um, at least a little bit in touch with uh, what's going on um, above the border, so to speak, out here. But um, I do know that there's also a little bit of a different vibe. I mean, like, it's not like it's drastic, but y'all really have your own lane up there, too. It's definitely not a carbon copy of, like, American hip-hop, per se, in, on some levels. Um, you guys kind of do your own thing as well. Um, what kind of uh, influence would you say that, like, Toronto has had in your music, being a resident out there, and uh, if any, and how that reflects both um, what you do uh, on the record and what you do in terms of your visual art? Mm. That's a great question. Um, so Toronto does for sure have its own sound, but it also, like, the thing about it, man, is it sounds cliche to say, but like the mainstream doesn't really, like mainstream Toronto doesn't, other than Drake, Drake does um, do a good job at representing a lot of what um, Toronto's vibe is. Uh, and, and he does a good job at, at, at doing it, doing all sorts of different types of it as well. Um, but like the mainstream otherwise, maybe even Tori I can put into that too, but I can see like, I could see a lot of American influence in Tori's. But anyways, um, the thing about it is like the most talented Toronto artists I've ever heard and seen, nobody really knows about. Right. Um, and that, like that sounds cliche to say, like, oh, there's an underground, the mainstream, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's what it is, man. And I know that because um, there's this specifically there's this community called uh, Rise, Rise Poetry. And Rise Poetry started as this um, very small community of people who started to get together inside of um, a little classroom every Friday, I believe it was Thursday or Friday. Um, and they would just do poetry to each other. And the community grew and grew and grew and grew. Now, every time they had events before the pandemic hit, it would, the place would be rammed. Like there'd be hundreds of people there. And um, I was there from the beginning. So I, I, got to, I got to experience all this wonderful talent uh, grow and evolve from that small little community, right? And um, a lot of the time, I would see like the stuff that's happening on the main stage. And then I would look at like the, the community and like rise poetry and be like, yo, these people are so much more talented than these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like, it's, it's, there's a lot going on here and there's a lot of influence from the States as well. Like I, I'd say like, I hear a lot of Atlanta and Toronto. I hear a lot of like, it goes, it, it ranges. Like you'll hear a lot of polarities. You'll hear Atlanta, you'll hear New York. I mean, you'll hear Chicago, you'll hear everything. Um, 
So it kind of comes together, and I think that's kind of the essence of hip hop, anyways. Like when it it's like the melting York, pot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the way that 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 like I'd say Toronto um, as an entity, as an as a as an industry, I guess you can say, um, inspired me would be that way, like on a on a ground level of like the artists that I would meet, and then like my brothers, friends and shit like that, right? The crew that they that they they put together was like really inspired by like nwa and eminem and dmx and all that shit right so would you say that toronto um so you're basically saying that like from what you're saying because it combines everything like for example like if you listen to like new york hip-hop without someone telling you it's new york hip-hop like you'll just like no okay like these dudes are probably from new york right um you know same thing with like west coast hip-hop atlanta right um so if you were to like listen to some dude in Toronto and like listen to his music, yeah. would you be able to sort of like be like, oh yeah, this dude's from Toronto? Absolutely. Like, without, like... It's the lingo. It's the lingo. The lingo gives away like this, man. Like this. I remember, I know this too because um, like I used to play a lot of Rainbow Six Siege and I, I, I play it, I played it a lot um, to like on random without a crew. So I would like, party up with four other teammates around the world and it was always americans it was always americans but every single time it was from somebody from toronto i knew instantly and that was when i that was when i that was when i realized i didn't even realize i'm like oh no toronto's just like biting off caribbean accents and stuff like that right that's but like, wild yeah. <laughs> but like it, wild, it, yeah. it's it, it that like even maybe it was like a lot of that caribbean um influence um it, it started off as like jokes and stuff like that from what from my perspective at least from when i was growing up started off like, as like jokes and then it actually became a part of like our lingo and shit right um but uh yeah 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 so like there's like even if if somebody doesn't really use all that slang and all that lingo um there's still a hint of something in there there's a hint of toronto somewhere in the way that they're pronouncing words and when I say Toronto, I mean like pretty much the whole east side of uh, Ontario, right? The, the, the greater area. Side. Yeah, the greater area, right? Um, yeah, man. So, so I, I do, I do, I could for sure if I heard somebody, and I have before with music as well. If I hear somebody that's from Toronto rapping, I know it pretty instantly. <laughs> yeah. How about I can kind of tell something? Go ahead. Interesting. Go, go ask. Them. Oh no, interesting. No, I um. When I went to Toronto a little over a year ago, I, I mean, I, t I spoke with some people there and, uh, I personally did not find them to have a different accent than like us in Connecticut and East coast. But, uh, some girl there recognized my accent. She's like, you sound like you have an American, like, are you from the U S like you have an American accent? I'm like, and it was like the first time I ever like somewhat identified as American because I never go around telling people I'm American. You know, it's like I usually just tell people I'm I'm Persian or something, right? But it was like the first time I was like, oh, um, oh yeah, I technically am American, yeah. But so no, it, it's cool that um you that Toronto has its own sound. I think a few days ago we were on the phone and you were telling me though that like, and I think it relates to this conversation and uh that a lot of these like for example you have you have like artists like after like you know like there's like these artists who are popping in 
in Canada, but they're not known in Canada, right? Like, for example, you have After Hill, who's more, who's trying to more, reach more of like an international audience, right? Or, or like you have other types of artists that are reaching out to like different demographics that are not actually like in Canada. So it's like, it, um, so like, what, like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, do you think? I like, think I think that's the best way to do it. Do it. Like, cause like, just just fuck the especially during this pandemic and shit. Like, well, what are you gonna do in the city? What are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, nobody's out there. So like, even especially during these last couple of years, we should be trying to branch out globally as much as possible, right? Um, but yeah, like I find that a lot of uh, a lot of like Toronto artists and stuff, they try try to strive for like the Toronto media. So like Six Buzz and stuff, they try to strive for that. And then it's like, mm. why do you want to just pop off locally, man? Like get out there, right? Um, I and I think that that's like, that's like a gift that, that's like a gift that us Persian artists have is that we could, um, we can branch into the Iranian community and connect with their community, right? Um, yeah. No, I, I definitely understand that. I mean, they, there is a saying that, like, you got to be popping off in your own city before you can pop off anywhere else because they got to support you. But at the same time, you got to recognize when you've reached that limit. Like, when you've reached it to where you feel like, okay, you know, my city supports me, but there's a whole bigger world out there that needs to hear my my art, you know what I'm saying, my music, and I should definitely keep in consideration and um when I'm making that music on how to reach out to other people, because ultimately that's how I get my message across. Um, and I've seen that happen even with Toronto artists. This is, this might give my age away, but <laughs> as if I haven't been put on blast about it already, but like, I, I've seen it. Like you had cats out of Toronto come out like Socrates, um, Chocolair. Um, Socrates is nice. He is nice. And he tried to break into the American market. Uh, Red man signed them, but you know, like there was this whole dynamic of where like they were kind of stuck in just representing Toronto the whole time. And they never kind of really got out that bubble versus when you look at a guy like uh, Cardinal Official. Now that guy branched out quite a bit and he ma he managed to uh, develop a little bit of uh, success here in the U.S. and outside. Uh, definitely changed his style, though, because uh, Firestarter Volume 1 is different than the stuff he puts out now but that's just the evolution of music but mm -hmm. i had no um, idea cardinal yeah. official still drafts music <laughs> yeah no because it, it's in, mainly in canada now but yeah no i mean he did his thing for a minute i actually got a glimpse of him when i was out in toronto way back and that was cool like like just for like a brief second to see him on the other side of the street and having a little interaction <laughs> but that's dope yeah, no. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I just want to say, like, because uh, you say that, like, some artists get stuck sort of, uh, like, they get, like, that like that one artist who got, who Redman signed, like, he, he, he felt like he was stuck representing Toronto. Um, I feel like, and Shabar, I think we talked about this on the phone the other day, and we can, like, go further into this. We're like, humans like we like we want to be on that wave right so like yeah you can you can get the support of your city and but that has its limits because sometimes like your city or your country or whatever it is or whatever audience you want to like 
target like you can attract like a certain percentage of them but in order to get even more of them i feel like sometimes other groups will have to recognize you so then they can claim you like does that make sense well like and, and i think that's especially unfortunately that's especially true for like the the persian community because like uh like all of us me shavar weapon like we have our we have iranian followers that like completely love what we do but i feel like a lot of iranians are like hesitant to support us until like like other cultures give their thumbs up stamp of approval so then they can be like oh yeah like that's our boy you know uh shavar or weapon x like he's ours right and i think like that's something like those artists who are like only trying to represent toronto like they just kind of have to like recognize that like it's very limiting because you're gonna be stuck being a toronto artist with that mentality right like do you like do you think that's true oh absolutely and i also think like um things like platforms like six buzz for one like i, I don't know it's, it could could be hurtful for for my future rap career but i don't really give a shit they're not very helpful to our society whatsoever and they they create more division they create more tribalism and they promote the, the they promote their homies right because like six buzz is a young it's run by youngsters right but like i find and the reason i brought them up a couple times is because trends and things that people talk about commonly amongst each other a lot of the time just comes down to what they've seen on six buzz out here right so like they have this power to influence our our entire music sound, our fucking um, our, our society for a better, just to like to put better energy out there and better messages out there. But instead, it's like, um, oh, let's make fun of the city that's full of brown people. Let's uh, let's say that this side of Toronto is better than that side of Toronto. It's like, don't you fucking guys see what you're doing? Like you're 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 making you're promoting racism. You're fucking. Are they like um, seriously arguing division. for those things, or is I mean I don't know what is that just like I've a seen page? It, I don't want to go too I don't want to veer too off topic. I'll try to bring it back, but like I seen this one post for example where it's like if you're from this bubble to this bubble to this bubble and they created like colors and numbers on on a map, right? They're like if you're from if you're from here you're from Toronto. If you're from here you're kind of from Toronto. If you're from here you're not so much from Toronto. If you're from here, you're not from Toronto at all. And then they gave the, the, the zones fucking colors and numbers. And I'm like, yo, that shit is dangerous, bro. Because like, if, if one of these kids that are growing up, they see this shit and then they have a homie that's in the, the four and they live in the three and then like they're not that good with each other and then there's these colors involved, that very easily and very easily that could become like a little gang movement. You know what I mean? And now you have motherfuckers shooting each other because they're from the four and you, this guy's from the three. You know what I mean? So, like, they, they're just not responsible with their platform whatsoever. It's it's not, I mean, it, it might, maybe maybe I'm being unreasonable because it's like, why why do they have to be responsible? They're all doing, they were just, they started to do this shit for fun and now they're making money. But like fuck that shit, bro. Like if I was me and I had a platform like that, I would be much more careful and responsible about the shit that I'm posting. In that regard, what I'm trying to get to is that they 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 were doing two things and they're still doing it. One, just these random motherfucking rappers with like that sounded like a boogie with the hoodie. I love a boogie with the hoodie, but like so many rappers out of Toronto 
started to buzz off of his sound instantly, like right when he came out, right? And um, it was attributed directly to Six Buzz. Like these are, oh, did you hear about this rapper? Where did you see him? Six Buzz. Did you hear about this rapper? Where did you see him? Six Buzz. And every single time, it was a certain fucking sound, right? So um, do you feel like they're almost like the gatekeepers of uh, the Toronto creative community? They're the gatekeepers of mainstream, the mainstream Toronto sound, right? Um, I think mainstream means something different now than it did early 2000s, 90s, different thing. But like underground also means something different. Like I think underground actually is a pretty good place to be compared to mainstream nowadays. Like if you're okay with having a million dollars versus $10 million, like that's kind of like, you know what I mean? Underground, successful underground rappers, they, they range from, I'd say successful to like a society standards. Like I'm, I think like a, a rapper makes a hundred grand a year off his music is successful, but like to society standards, I'd say like 800,000 to the $4 million range. That's dude, like I'm so underground down for rapper. That. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like oh, yeah, the underground yeah. rapper, right? Um, so like, yeah, I think, I think, I think, what was the, where was I going with this? Um, yeah, yeah. So the, the mainstream sound is gatekeep, like they're gatekeeping it through like, there, I'd say there's three mainstream outlets for Toronto right now. Interesting. So, um, so is it, and like, we don't have to talk about these like specific people, but I guess like, it just seems like they're just promoting like this one particular sound and they're not like allowing like other types of creative sounds to like come up almost like, uh, I mean, and this might, you know, this might come and bite me in the ass, but kind of like radio Javon, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, it's like that with the industry in general because if you look at the industry in general, music industry, it could be other industries too, but we're focusing right now on like I guess the music and media. Um, I feel like when you, in terms of, um, because we just had a discussion, I, um, on our last podcast with um our guest Persian Skater Bion, and um we were just discussing on how there seems to be a market for even the strangest of it. Right. So given that being the case, you would, they want, uh, there's like this, there's this idea that is out there that just because something is a certain sound or a, you know, presents a certain image that that's the one image that can make you successful in music and media. But I feel like, Going back to what we were talking about, when you, um, when you only present that one image, it's like okay, if I if you were living in a in a prison cell, right, and I gave you slop every day, you'd eat slop because the, or starve, but more more than likely you'd eat slop because that's all there is and that's all they're giving you and it's basically presented to you as your own option. Now, if I gave you slop and then I gave you, oh, I don't know, say a piece of bread another day and I gave them both to you more than likely, you know, like you might take the slop or you might take the piece of bread. Then the next day, who knows? I'll give you slop, I give you bread and then I give you a burger, you know? 
Like once you present, there may be people who may prefer to eat that slot for whatever reason, but, and I guess like I could probably use a better example of slot, but basically when you're presented with options, you get to decide what you like. When you're being presented with one option, you're, there isn't a choice that is given. Yeah. You can't figure out whether or not there's a market for something. They're basically telling you, this is the only market. This is what you get. You either consume it or you don't. But if I give you four choices, there might be something that's considered underground, right? Like imagine like right now, um, um, Six Buzz, right? And you say there's like three different um, ones out in the market right now, uh, main outlets in the market right now. Well, let's say we open up three more. And they present different sounds that are coming out of the Toronto um, hip hop or music scene, right? Who's to say that some of the people they who they're listening to Six Buzz aren't open minded enough to where they wouldn't want to listen to, you know, the other outlet or maybe even both? Maybe we could share this wonderful, you know, media market and give people a choice. But I feel like it isn't. Um, I mean, what's your take on that? Well, I think I think part of the problem is that. Um... Outlets like Six Buzz are, uh, they buzz, um, no pun intended, but they buzz off of uh, propaganda, right? And and bullshit and beef and negative things, right? Um, and I think it's in human nature to to be gravitated to that information. I don't know why, um, but it seems to be the truth, right? And that's why, like, people will call people, people like, Fucking six nine, Takashi six nine, a genius for what he what he was doing because it's blah blah blah, it's marketing this and that. But it's like it's not genius. It's just fucking propaganda. Propaganda works, but you're you're selling your integrity to to uh, in exchange for popularity, right? And Six Buzz doesn't have integrity. It's not a human entity, right? So they can just fucking throw propaganda out into the, the public as much as they fucking want to without taking a hit on their end and nothing but positive shit for them because people are waving in. It costs like $2,500 to get your post onto that, onto six bucks, right? Um, so a lot of these rappers are just fucking paying their way into that community, right? Um, but like to go back to the slop and the burgers, like I feel like people have been eating that the shit for so for so long now that when they get a burger they call it fucking corny. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh my god. They're yes. conditioned again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, what the fuck is this corny shit? You put so much work into this. Why did you put so much work into this when we could just eat this? <laughs> You're saying like six buzz then is like um like oh. another version of World Star. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Because they have and no like remorse that, for what they put out. They forget the fact that it's propaganda. They have no remorse then of the shit <laughs> or the repercussions or any of the consequences that come out of what they post up. Yeah, they don't give a shit, bro. And like, like some rappers, they, they realize this shit, right? So they'd be like, yo, let's make up a beef. Let's just fucking beef each other. And then, you know what I mean? And put it up. Or like they'll actually start beef with somebody and put it up. And then it always fucking ends up on six buzz. Like people, I unfollowed that shit a long time ago. But the amount of times that people fucking send me shit from six buzz, and I have to tell them, like, yo, I don't follow this shit. Like, I don't know. I can't oh yeah, it's it like a private, private page, right? Yeah, because because they know that they're they're putting out like 
negative shit all the time, right? So people aren't going to follow them if if they don't have to. And they feel like they have to, to because of like the fear of missing out, right? Like you're missing out on being able to relate to a conference. Oh, yo, did you see that post on Six Buzz yesterday? Like you actually hear shit like this. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. And that's the problem I see with like social media content over the last few years and like, and some of it's creative, but I feel like, like you said, like after a while, when people actually put a lot of creative effort into their craft, people are like, wait, this is different. Therefore corny. Like, and that just, that just like blows my mind. Like, so if like, yo, if you're like a rapper who doesn't use auto tune and like you, you or your song has like a theme or a message and all of a sudden these people are like, I don't want to hear this. Like it's corny. Like it's like, and then like they'll go on and listen to like, whatever's like, whatever, like the hot nine five sevens, like, or, uh, you know, like whatever they're pushing. Right. And, um, but I, but back to like social media and stuff, it's like content in general. I feel like maybe as our attention spans are like getting lower and lower. So is like the type of content that we can, that we consume is getting more and more watered down. And like, I don't know, like for a lack of a better term, like dumb, right? <laughs> like uh, we used to be like, we would consume YouTube videos that could have been like, maybe like maybe let's say 10 minutes long. And now like, then like it used to be like, okay, like now we kind of like consume content on like Instagram, but now we consume 15 second, like, max videos on tiktok right and yeah. so like and that to me is like and that translates to everything not just tiktok but like as the quality of content goes down so does the quality of like the move the movies we watch the music we want the listen to right like and i think like that to me is something like i'm kind of concerned about it is arguable because the like the podcast industry is booming right now right and that's, those are long-form conversations. Um, but with that said, I think maybe like a problem that, I don't think the problem that social media poses is that our, our attention level is going down, but I think it's more so that our stimulation level is going up. So we're getting stimulated really quickly, right? So if we, if we watched a one-hour video, that's just, hyper stimulating the entire time we could like those people with the short attention spans can get through that one hour with no problem and they'll enjoy every single second but now it's like if you're lacking on that that level of stimulation then you're not going to connect with the audience as much i think that is um the problem with with uh like our, our mark our social media market i guess you interesting can say. they even say like when, when you edit a music video like you want to have as many like cuts as possible because like if it's just like a one shot uh then it's like like you know no matter how good the song is or even like as as visually cool as it is it's like people are just going to get like bored and like swipe to the next uh, piece of content they can you know yeah for sure even if it's still like there has to be a stimulating aspect to the stillness like um a bird flying by or like a fucking you know a cat running across the screen or like something like something about the stillness that could you can still achieve the stimulating effect through it um but yeah for sure like you hit it on the head like when when i'm editing even even me like if i'm editing something that's not cut up as much or doesn't have much effects like i get bored of editing 
You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm also a victim to the overstimulation. I'm fucking stimulated a lot, bro. I fucking yeah, play video games yeah. and shit, too. You know what I mean? So, like, um, yeah, say that's, I think that's kind of what it's looking like, like, especially with like TikTok and shit. Like, they're really uh, making it easier for people to do some crazy shit, which is, which right. is dope, I think. I think it's like that's a good thing you can take out of it. I'm not really on TikTok, um, but I remember when it first dropped, I made an account. Um, I don't remember why I thought it was gonna blow up, but there was like I, I was it was a hunch, right? And I kept sending it to my friends. I'm like, yo, do some fucking videos on this. I mean views for no reason. I have zero followers and I got 400 views on this video. Um, but then when it actually got popular. I got bored of it right away. I'm like, I don't want to even be a part of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, TikTok. If you're a, if you're a, any type of content creator, like t- uh, TikTok, still has an insane amount of like stupid loads of exposure, man. Like, yeah, yeah, just depends that on how you present built. it. They're built that way, right? So that you get, you get put. You your 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 content gets put forth to people who don't even follow you. Yeah, dude, like, I posted a video of my dad, like, making his own duch, and it made, like, <laughs> I remember it got, you like, that. yeah, like, 50,000, like, views and overnight of just, like, him, like, making Sick. a joke about, like, mixing weed and duke together, like, <laughs> it's, like, so, like, it, for, like, things like that, like, it really does work, but I also feel like it, it punishes people, like, the algorithm punishes people for, like, actually, like, making like a really nice piece of work say on adobe premiere or final cut pro it's like no they don't want something high quality it's like they want something that's like specifically like we uh tiktok worthy you know and um and i think like that's just like where i have an issue with it. it's like yes it's great that we're getting exposure but at the same time um i want to get exposure for being true to myself and not being forced to use these tiktok tools yeah yeah, I mean, me personally, bro, I'm just, like, I like to focus on, on. I'm already doing the whole multimedia shit, multifaceted shit, right? Like, I'm not going to spread myself more thin with more social media outlets. Like, that is going to murder me. It's going to murder my mental health and destroy me, you know what I mean? And I'm aware of it, and um, sometimes I am like, yo, man, what, why don't I just go on TikTok and just, like, drop some pop-locking videos? I could still pop-lock. Why don't I just do that shit? But then I'm just like, nah, yo, I'd rather focus on my shit. I'd rather focus on Instagram and YouTube. What I have my goals set in place for like YouTube and stuff like that and like some different approaches that I'm taking to my next few um, releases. So like, and that for me, I'm good with Instagram, YouTube, and then dabbling with the whole NFT shit and, and seeing what I could do with it, yeah. right? So I'm just right now. I'm just cooking up some ideas, bro, for that uh, stuff. For that you know, like uh, I've been looking into NFTs as well, and um, I don't know if Fanush or Keith. I don't know if you two have been like looking into this, but um, and I've always known like it has like massive potential. I mean, like like you said, like some dude selling a cart, a digital image of a cat for like a couple million dollars, right? And then, uh, I mean, but when I talk, when we talk to Bayon the other day um for the podcast our last episode of the podcast and she talked about a certain type of item that she sells for a like i was like shocked 
it just shows that there was like an uh like a market for er- anything dude anything you can like, put it out there it's, she didn't have a problem putting it out there well that, that, that's true it, it, it is public but it, it is public <laughs> yeah she 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 sold a pair of her socks to like some creepy dude for like five hundred dollars uh, this guy <laughs> yeah and i'm like game. like but i'm like yo like if 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 there are people who are willing to pay 500 dollars for dirty ass socks dude there has to be people who would pay you like a lot of money for what well, you it, for your art or my art or whoever's art there's got like, they got it goes exist. deeper than that right like i heard was it andrew schultz had a theory that he said on his brilliant idiot podcast that really resonated. He said that like he thinks that like the own the the owners of this like NFT is it goes hand in hand I think with the owners of Ethereum the people who created Ethereum right and um, his theory is that they they're dumping like millions of dollars into a marketing campaign of just purchasing digital art right now to to build a foundation for a new trend. I think it's horrible. <laughs> I think it's a terrible thing that's fucking happening. Wait, you think the NFTs are horrible or like just I think like it's the... horrible, bro, because it's it's like you're for one, they're creating value for for shit like digital art out of nothing. Like there's there's no reason that, that a little Instagram video that's 10 seconds long is worth twenty thousand dollars. Like yeah, maybe there is. I don't know, but like, it's just yeah. it seems so fucking weird to me. You know what I mean? Like I a agree. video for, uh, that I, yeah. I know this one video specifically that I'm thinking of with this guy. There's this little white cartoon blob sitting in the middle of his living room, <laughs> right? And it's just like floating around. And he he walks into the living room and then he touches the white blob and then it like consumes him and he turns into the white blob and then it goes. He turns into the the, the little ball again and then the video starts over. Cool video been out for fucking over a year right as soon as this whole nft thing dropped man fucking uploaded his his video and sold it for 20 grand us right and i'm just like where did the value for this come from like back to what i was saying earlier there is a market for everything the only difference between people being able to sell something and not being able to sell something or market something is the platform. In Bion's case, OnlyFans opened up the platform for people to be able to purchase dirty skater socks. Now with NFTs, now they have a platform where this stuff is being able to be, people have the opportunity to market this stuff to people. It really just comes to developing an outlet and someone who's smart enough to recognize, hey, let me create this platform to where these people can do this one or two things, these one or two things and make money off of it. Um, you know, and you can't hate the game as much as yeah. As stupid I as I, I, I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. No, it's stupid, but time, it's genius too. But at the same time, it's 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 good for even our, like I'm a I'm, I should be grateful of it. Completely grateful. Of it. I'm a fucking visual creator. I'm sure I have shit that could sell as NFTs right now that I haven't posted. Right, I should be grateful for it. It's just that there's there's something there's something sinister about it that. I that makes me mean. feel uncomfortable about where it's going to lead digital content. Because there's so much... You said about integrity. 
there's so much there's so much um, freedom with digital content right now, right? I'm I'm worried that this is leading towards kind of putting it into a box, you know what I mean, and confining its freedom because it's now like it's an inevitable an inevitable part of like my processes, right? If I'm uh, working with an artist for a music video, like they want to talk about like what they could do as an NFT for the video, right? And like even me now that I'm I'm making some music, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do this and drop it as an NFT now. Um, you know what I mean? And it's like for one, like just very in, in, in very in the very basis of it, it costs you like eighty dollars to one hundred and twenty dollars to even like put one up, right? So now that's added to every single time I, I'm dropping a track because of that, if I want to do the NFT thing, right? So it's like, if this platform is just dumping money into itself to buy the digital art to create a trend, it might even be like, it might even just fall off and then they might be make a bunch of fucking money off people just uploading shit. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, it's, it's like, I see the beauty in it, but I also feel something. It could be like a potential bubble. Like, like, yeah. like, like you think so, like an NFT bubble. Yeah, like something that's just that just pops up and pops away. Yeah. Yeah, like, I could uh, see that. I could also see it like completely just changing shit and making making it, um, making just parasiting its way to everything. Because an NFT is not just digital visual art. It's a non-fungible token, which means that it might happen to music. You know what I mean? Like artists might start dropping NFT albums that you can only listen to if you pay an X amount of money. You know what I mean? Fucking producers should be hopping on this shit and saying like, I'm dropping my fucking drum packs. as you know, I think Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang yeah. Clan tried doing that like a few years ago. Like not as an NFT, oh, as Martin we call it. Sh- Sh- Martin Shrekley or Shrekley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he bought that one. He bought that one album and uh, for like a few million dollars or some shit, right? So, I've never like, wanted to punch somebody in the face more than that <laughs> fucking guy, bro. Oh yeah. Never. <laughs> never wanted to punch yeah. somebody in the fucking face as much as that guy. I'm that guy has the most punchable face I've ever seen. <laughs> Definitely, bro. Martin definitely. Shrekley, Shrelis, whatever. I totally forgot Shrelis. about him until we like had this conversation right now. Um, but I, I think like uh, that's kind of how I view cryptocurrency. Um, like a lot of people are big on it. Like they think it's the future. Um, I, I don't. Um, just because I think, I don't know. Like a lot of people like this idea that cryptocurrency could overthrow governments and they could. The, uh, you know, the, their argument is like decentralization. They get rid of the middleman. But I mean, like, yeah, like for example, like, you, like the, and I just don't, I, I just, one, I feel like people are not financially literate enough to even understand what that even means. And two, like, it, it's something, you know, I feel like over the last few months, for example, like the concept like Bitcoin, it went up like what, 700% these last three or four months. And uh, I feel like because the value of it keeps changing, like how could we use it as currency if like if Bitcoin that was like twenty thousand dollars, let's say three months ago, and it's now like approaching sixty, like 
You know what I mean? Like, how can I give you, you know, like, how can we trade off that system? And I feel like it's going to blow up eventually. And like the value of it is just going to crash. Um, I could be uh, full of shit. I, I'm not obviously like, I'm not an expert on this, but what you taught when you, yeah, when you were it, saying, it, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I, I get so many DMs from dudes, like, and they're asking me to, like, join a team of, like, their crypto buddies. And, like, this, and basically, like, I, I get how this works. Like, they want you to buy more Bitcoin or any type of crypto because when you do that, uh, the value of it goes up. But it, but you know that these motherfuckers are just waiting for it to, like, reach a certain point so that they can sell it and convert it to U.S. dollars. So... Like that's like so when I so what I just said about Bitcoin, I like it's kind of like what you said about NFTs, where, like, does that does that make sense? Like what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, it's a, it's a scheme, like it's a it's a scheme. It's, it's like Temporary a pyramid scheme. scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm not I'm not very privy to Bitcoin and crypto. I'm by like far away from being an expert or anything like that, but. I did have a conversation with somebody that knows a lot about it that told me like there is a finite amount of Bitcoin. Like it, after all the blockchains are, are info, like completely um, rigged out and, and emptied out, there's like they're estimating between 300 and 400 billion dollars uh, US in, in what Bitcoin is worth. And then once all of that is mined out, um that's and people keep mining that's what's going to bring the value of bitcoin down i don't know what the fuck that means <laughs> but because, yeah. because like it's such a weird concept like there's this um virtual bank that's kind of floating in this realm that has all this information in it and then you have these computers and rigs that are set up to um mine out the information and that information is translated into cryptocurrency which is then translated into money right yeah. and it's like what the fuck where was the, the fuck is this information <laughs> what are these equations right. i don't get it but and this um, shit could be yeah. easily like hacked and then the value of your money can just disappear like that and like that's like what i find very it can't get hacked yeah it can't get hacked right now like that's the whole hacking it is the point because you're whatever hacking you're doing is what the mining is like you're hacking at it you're mining it right um so like yeah it, the faster you hack it the more valuable your method of hacking it is and you become uh like that ethereum or like whatever whatever you're translating that information into as crypto that's that's what i think i could be fucking completely wrong about what i'm saying but um that's how i see that's how i see it based on a few conversations i had yeah no it's a lot to learn and um i'm not saying like to completely like disregard it uh but i just i don't know man it's like a trend like people just want to hop on these trends and like everyone wants to like be all bitcoin bro like invest in bitcoin ethereum and uh and again like if you know, like I even made a few bucks from it, but I, but I just, I don't know, bro. I feel like a lot of people just like to just hop on trends without doing their due diligence. And I'm not going to lie, bro. I got told to hop on the Bitcoin train like four years ago. 
And if I had done, if I, I was broke as fuck. Like now, if, if it was now and Bitcoin was at what it was at now, back then yeah. or whatever, um, be a different story. But uh, right. yeah, like back then, I could see, I could see it benefiting my life a lot if I was just to oh, yeah. follow through with that advice. You know what I mean? So like, I don't see it as oh, yeah. just a trend. Like there is some truth to it as well. But right, but I guess like my argument for it is that people only invest in it because they treat it like a stock, whereas in like they put in money in it because they think it's gonna well because they're hoping that that one thousand dollars they put into it is gonna turn into like fifty thousand dollars, but yeah. but it, not nothing to really do with their that like what they're technically meant to do, which is uh, you know it's just decentralized trading, and that to me is just like just like a strange concept hmm. it's also dependent on other places accepting bitcoins instead of u.s dollars or something like that too because if you think about it like a bitcoin if other places accepted it is just as worth as much as you online banking it's just as real the money like when you online bank there's not physical dollars going anywhere it's literally just a digital message saying this much was sent here but it's not real like there's no physical evidence of anything so it's the same thing it's just that not everyone accepts Bitcoin the same way they do a dollar or a yen or whatever the hell you're trading, basically. But it ends up being the same thing, kind of. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, but I also think like like $18, whether it's like a physical cash or whether it's like a bank statement or whatever, like it's still worth, it still has the same value. Whereas if I say like, here's a Bitcoin, uh, like 10 seconds ago, it was worth 10 grand. Now it's worth 30. Now it's worth, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I feel like just trading right. it is just a very complicated thing because, and I know, like, I understand that, like, it's not like I give you one Bitcoin, like just to buy an item. It's more like it's frat. Everything is fractional. So yeah. Right. If, you, but, if I'm paying one Bitcoin for something, that's pretty fucking expensive. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically, yeah, that's like, that's, yeah, I'm buying, that's, I'm buying a couple of new cars. <laughs> or or like a or like a down payment on a house or something, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go so, with the uh, house. <laughs> Go with <Yes>. the house. <laughs> For real, man. Yo, so uh, Shavar, uh, so you talked about uh, like you want you're focused on Instagram and on YouTube. Like, do you have any like type like is there any types of content that you're focusing on on YouTube that like like so are you like mainly focusing on like music videos or like are you trying to make other types of video content that supplements your music yes so um right now i'm putting out uh my music for the past couple years onto my shavar music channel right Uh, on youtube and um what i'm going what i'm planning on doing moving forward is um that whole rendezvous thing. So like I did, I didn't get to tell you like what happened from there, Keith. I remember you asked me like, um, has the pandemic affected or how did it affect me and stuff. So I'll, I'll start. I'll go back there and then I'll get to the YouTube thing of what I'm doing. Um, but uh, yeah. So after that stuff happened with, um, where I had to cancel my event and return the tickets and all that shit, uh, I started to focus on more on my post production and how I could. Um, evolve my craft and my skills in post-production and then how I could benefit from that. 
so I did that. I practiced a lot. And then I became more confident in my skills and started making money off of my editing and all that shit. And then I invested in some more equipment. And um, yeah, now I have like a good, good equipment and it's good setup, a camera setup and uh, stabilizer lighting setup and where um, I started to shoot music, more music videos, more commercials, partnered up with more marketing companies and stuff like that. So within that process, I've made some really cool content that I haven't even like showed anybody. Um, that's not, it's not even all just my content. Um, it's other artists and, and shit like that. So now what I'm doing is with that same concept in mind of like the rendezvous, bringing creators together into one space, um, think of that in like a digital sense. So now I, I opened up a YouTube page called Rendezvous Media and I'm going to be like presenting um, different artists on there, my own stuff. I'm going to drop within the same realm and shit like that. So um, anything that I, I'm involved in is going to be posted on Rendezvous Media, right? Um, so yeah, so as long as like, so with that, the goal with that is as long as I grow, Anybody that's within the community that, that I collaborate with will grow as well. Um, and hopefully vice versa. You know what I mean? Like we trade off of each other kind of thing. But yeah, that's that's kind of my approach with the, the YouTube thing. But with that, yeah. So with that said, music videos, behind the scenes, um, skits, uh, anything like that. Anything that I see is like um, worthwhile content to just kind of flick through uh the channel and, and and be entertained the entire time definitely man definitely um a struggle that i found with youtube is that like i and i love youtube because i think like that's where people like where video creators put their heart and soul in right and um my the issue that i found with youtube is that like for example when you're on instagram you're just swiping and like the video like your videos just come up if you follow that person Whereas in like that doesn't really apply to YouTube. Like you go onto the website and there you just see a bunch of like squares horizontally, like and most of them aren't even like from channels that you subscribe to. It's more like recommended. And if you're a music, and I found that like with artists who do music videos, well, they don't really show up unless you like search for it. Like so, for example, even like. I'm just throwing names like an Eminem music video. Like you found out Eminem just dropped a music video and you're like, Oh, so yeah. So you go like, go on the YouTube search, you type in Eminem Godzilla and like, right. And like you, you, uh, you watch the video. And I feel like when you're an independent artist who is trying to get your name out there, that that becomes a challenge because like not many people know to search like, Oh, like Shaheen, uh, what was my last, uh, like 14, Noru's 1400, right? Uh, or, or like Shavar, like, oh yeah. Uh, which is one of my favorite songs for me, by the way. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but so like, that's like a struggle I found with YouTube. But like, what do you think about that? Um, do you use it a lot in, as like a consumer? Um, sometimes, yeah, I would say so. so that, I'm like a YouTube head. I love YouTube. I, I um, go to bed watching YouTube kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like every night I put on like something, pass out to it. Um, but then I find like, I, I don't, I don't even have to do all that. <laughs> to be honest, I'll go on, I'll go on the app and then like 
usually if if like Eminem drops a music video, I see it on my home page, right? I think that might be because I'm using it a lot though. Um, cause like I'll, I'll watch hip hop podcasts and, uh, documentaries and stuff like that. And the making of and all that shit. Um, I'll watch like, you know, the brilliant idiots podcast, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I kind of just go through it. My recommended is always on fucking point. Um, so just being a part of that and like seeing, um, how things are getting recommended to me that's kind of like what's what's forming my approach i see what you're saying but i feel like that applies if you're not like on youtube as much as you're on instagram i mean because like youtube is it's trying to be just as addicting as instagram right they have their fucking story posts yeah that, that disappear in 24 hours they have like regular posts that fucking um that you can write stuff in and shit like that and talk to your fans um so i I feel like if you're uh, privy to that stuff and interested in that stuff then you see the stuff that's recommended to you but with that said um i feel like instagram is more accessible you you have to search things less often on instagram than you do on youtube Mm -hmm. um so i the the point that you you made like just a bit of challenges within that is why i want to start a page that has like many different aspects of media so that you know if i hit on a skit that maybe i'm not even in maybe i just film it you know what i mean if if that hits if that skit hits and people want to see what's on the rest of that channel they subscribe and stuff like that then, then my music is hitting too right um so yeah uh, yeah, I've always been bad at YouTube, man. But now is it's the first time where I've actually felt confident about being on it. Because I was on, I was on YouTube before it was called YouTube. It was called Google.video.com. Yeah. Google.video. Google yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, thank God those videos are gone. Shit was embarrassing. But um, are they ever truly really gone though? Or are they in the cloud somewhere? Oh, they, I search, man. <laughs> I want, I, like, the, part, of it, part of me wants to, like, get the dose of nostalgia. Part of me wants to make sure it's gone. Um, but, yeah, I've searched a lot. But it's probably in the cloud. just hidden off somewhere. Nothing is ever deleted, <laughs> man. Hopefully lost forever. If it's not deleted, I'm okay with it being lost until, like, underneath the ocean, like, just leave it there dude i just did like a quick google search of like embarrassing videos i may have uploaded like in 2006 2007 and i'm not seeing it so that's a good thing but uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that's all good um yeah well i really enjoyed this podcast we've touched upon a lot of different areas that i didn't see it going but was regardless very uh, entertaining so thank you no worries Shaheen your dream of selling your socks one day that can come true yes. <laughs> yes. just wear them wear them long enough I'll, I'll like never take it off for like a year and then like just sell it uh, sell it as an NFC 
I'm not gonna lie. If you actually documented like the daily journey of never taking off the sock and then put it up on some shit, I guarantee yeah. you. He's Dude, right. I remember. I remember when I was in high school, there was a kid, um, who every single day from the first day oh, of God. freshman year Don't. of high school, from like up Don't. until the la- the day we graduated, he wore like a halo hoodie. Uh, yep. And like it's the same exact <laughs> halo hoodie, like like Master Chief, zipped all the way up, like and like I don't mean to like, I hope he doesn't watch this, but but like you know, like kid, I'll put his name out there. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna put his name out there, but he had like greasy ass hair. Maybe oh, he would shower shit. once every other week or some shit like that, and like I, I felt bad because he he kind of rolled with like the Weeaboo crew in school and. uh you know, but yeah. I'm like, but like, I remember like, you know, like, so when he talked about, you know, the, like that kid, if he likes, if he had a platform and then like you said, like he, he documented that journey and like, he yeah, that halo, that, that halo sweatshirt would be worth so much right now. It would just be hey, bro, just fact. unreal. Fact, bro. <laughs> fact, and, Master Chief sweater. Master oh. Chief is the GOAT. Oh so. God. Dude, and so I'm also I'm okay talking with... about like set like there'd be days where it's like 80 degrees out and he's be he'd be wearing that hoodie. Yeah, regardless of the weather, every day. <laughs> Didn't matter. This poor dude, man. No, oh, I know, man. I know, I know guys like that. I'm not gonna lie. And I think back to fucking elementary school, there's definitely a couple cats like that. I got a lot I didn't, of wear, I didn't wear something every day, but I do know as far as heat is concerned. Being the uh, back then, I wasn't always into my hip hop gear. I was being like Mr. Flashy Persian. <laughs> I, I would wear like it, it's hot. It gets hot here in California summers. I remember in high school just to look good, I'd have this leather jacket. I would wear it in a hundred and ten degree weather. <laughs> the the the, the stupid shit that you will do just it's very to look Persian good. of it. <laughs> I I expected you to wear like the a few things. <laughs> I would imagine like Farnoosh with like a big like a like a black uh, V neck, like that goes like down to here and. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always wear, I always wear a black V neck like this with this yeah. big ass fucking shiny necklace. The, the uh... <laughs> with the fabric hair and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a very Iranian like LA thing to do. And apparently it's pretty was big. giant, bro. It was like this. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I, I look back yeah. at some of the shit that I was doing back then. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, <laughs> we've all been there. We've I all been there, bro. Hair. I had spiked hair. You were one like of the spiked hair dudes? Spiked hair dudes. Dude, you were one of the spiked hair Persians? <laughs> yeah, bro. For like two years. Dude, Weapon like made a song, like like a verse, like making fun of like those kind of dudes. <laughs> like it's hilarious. Nah, but like I didn't dress like it. I dressed I dressed hood, but had spiked hair. <laughs> no, there were people who did the, the the spiked hair thing wasn't like the only attribute to those people. They had like a whole look. It was like and a and and then, and like, like yeah, besides like the little the I mean there were people who had little spikes because you know it was it, it was still fashionable to have a certain hairstyle. These guys, when we're talking about those spike hair guys, like the spike would be like like five inches to... into the air long, looking <laughs> like I'm. It'd be going back like Sonic the Hedgehog shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, like, they be they be wearing like, and, 
In poly D, yeah. But it was like, yeah. Yeah. And Hardy. Yeah. It was like like tight black and Hardy shirts, like the, the, the skinny jeans. They're big into skinny jeans, right? Uh, I mean, that era is a whole different era than my area. Thank God. <laughs> but... I mean, some of them look back on what we were doing and be like, ah, what, what were you doing? But like, <laughs> yeah, no, because my, our, like, again, given my age, our, our like, pants were the size of, like, parachutes. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, you went from, like, this big to, like, this skinny. But, yeah, that's that's fashion for you. <laughs> for sure, man. Um, Yo, what are, you, what are y'all working on right now? What's going on with the music? Uh, with the music, you with turned me? the table. He's interviewing us now. Yeah, oh, yo, shit. I'm wow. It around. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> damn. Wow. Okay. No, fair. So I dropped a single a few weeks ago uh, called No Rules 1400. I basically do one every year. So next year I'm dropping No Rules 1401. And I never really planned on that on being like a thing. Like, but until like someone made a joke about it. And I was like, Eh, why not? There's like endless amounts of Iranian songs we can like work off to like make this happen. And this year, like a couple of girls from TikTok made trends out of like a like a mini little trend from it. So I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, I'm actually trying to re-strategize the way I release music uh, in terms of marketing. Um, seeing like just because um, I feel like I need to give myself more time to. Uh, prepare for like the pre-release and then prepare for the post-release and uh and yeah but i do have some i dude i have like nine ten songs written that i haven't even recorded yet and i just i just can't wait to like just record them and i'm going to la hopefully within the next month or two to uh i'm going to be visiting weapon x and we're going to shoot our video together we we did a song together (laughs) and uh Yeah, yeah, and uh, also I'm trying to shoot another music video and just doing some creative stuff down in Tehrangelis. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. That's what's up, bro. Yeah, I really like um, I really like your song, um, what's it called? Crazy for You. Ah, oh, thank you, man. Oh, fire, bro. That's just everything about it sonically, the beat, the flow, thank the you. delivery. Super sick, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's that's a favorite of like, well, not only mine, but um, like a lot of people, like the feedback I get on that. Um, I was looking for, it was actually inspired by um, uh, what's that song called with Joey Badass and XXX Tentacion? Uh, Infinity. Infinity, like the the beat of that, well, I thought was so beautiful. So mm. I, I, I just YouTube like a Joey Badass XXX type B and that was one of the first beats that came up. And I'm like, oh, yo, for this real? Is, yeah, and I'm like, yo, this is beautiful. And uh so I, I just like got a quick lease on it. And um uh, I don't know, like I like doing the Farsi stuff, like uh like the Farsi English mix ups where I'm like Yeah, I, see. I heard that. <laughs> like I thought in like I don't know. The girls listened to that and like they loved it. So, you know, shit, shit like that. But it's fun, dude. I love to just mix the two cultures together, and that's what I want to keep doing. And uh, like I've already told you this, man. Like I really want people to listen to our music and being like, "Yo, like I wish I was Persian. This shit is really fucking cool, right?" And uh, and I think like that's what I'm trying to un- uh, 
master like sonically like how do i make the sound appealing so like when iranians listen to it they're like very proud of it and then have like uh non-iranians listen to it and be like yo like this is like really fucking cool and i think i'm like slowly starting to figure it out hey, man we're proud of you bro thank you I keep going that, man. <laughs> thank you, weapon man. what you got bro what you got coming any anything in the making uh, some of this is probably going to be announced for the first time on this podcast. So, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, some of it's been vocal among, like, I mean, Shaheen knows about some of it because, you know, we discuss it in the, um, our mastermind groups offline, um, and all that. But, uh, mainly this year, um, let's see, what, what do I, what do I got going for me? Um, well, I recorded an entire full-length album, um, and completed it in October of 2019. That still hasn't seen the light of day because what happened was I had surgery. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get the same voice back or even rap like the same again. Um, <laughs> did we just lose him? I think we I think might. So, have. Yeah. Shit. Um. All right. You know what? I'm gonna send him a message, just letting him know we lost him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but um, at least we're taking a break. <laughs> no, that being we've okay. Had a, we've that. had a pretty interesting conversation here today. So definitely, definitely. Uh, we maybe his phone needed a break. <laughs> for sure, man. I'll either edit this out or we can just include this in the podcast. But um, no, nah, Shavar also always has like a lot of great things to say, and um, his sound is one of a kind. Like he has a good ear, like not just lyrically, but he's just like he has a very good ear for what just like uh for like the musical component of it as well. Um, so like that's why if you ever listen to his music after this podcast, um. I don't know, like, I listened to this album he made called Focus, and I thought it was, like, holy shit. Uh, because, like, the rhymes were there, the lyrics were there, the flow, everything was there, and it was just so well packaged, and the, I thought, like, what made it so interesting was, like, the way he engineered it. Uh, like, I just, I was, I think, like, I don't know, like, I was just, like, very impressed. Plus, his videography skills are, like, off the fucking charts. Um, yeah, no, I've watched his videos. His videos are definitely quality work, so definitely man like stuff i can learn from for sure uh but yeah it looks like we lost him i did send him a message but yeah so uh that being said we i weapon uh i do want you to finish your thought on uh well not finish but uh continue your thoughts on um what you were saying about your own stuff you so you say you had an album coming out late 2019 well, uh, I completed an album in late 2019. Basically, I had my surgery. Um, throat, nose, whole number. I think I've mentioned this on podcasts before, so I'm going to keep that short. But I really didn't know what the future of my rapping was going to be afterwards. I had no idea. It took me a while to get my voice and everything back to where I wanted it to be, where I felt like it would be cool to rap again, like people would actually want to hear my shit. Now, I'm just getting this stuff from the engineer. Um, 
the album's called The Side Effect of Hunger. And literally, um, you know, I've compiled the major, pretty much what I need for it. Um, so I'm having that prepped. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we got it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just telling the guys um, the, the album from 2019 that um, I recorded called The Side Effect of Hunger. Basically, um, going ahead. Oh, he's trying to say something. I can't, we can't get the audio, though. Yeah, brother, we can't hear you. I don't know if you can hear us, but we can't hear you. Yeah. Nope. No. Not coming in. I think he's closing in now, too. Yeah. yeah uh, he'll figure it out. Um. Uh, hold on. Yeah, if you... Well, he doesn't have his headphones in either, so you, I don't think he can hear what he's... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's a shame. Cause <laughs> no, I, I, I think can't. I spewed this rhetoric before, too, but I was mainly to answer his question. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, anyway, so you said it's called the side effects of hunger, right? Because I know you have an album called "The Portrait of a Starving Artist." Oh, that's that's oh, that's from way back a long time ago, and that's other the other thing that I'm doing. That was actually my debut album, and uh, aside from, from the album I just that. mentioned, that's what I'm pretty much going to be doing majority of this year. I have a bunch of projects that I'm re-releasing. Um, one of which is a list of collaborations I've done over the years. I'm going to put that up as a project. Um, I'm also in talks. I did a group album called the league of assassins with mm. two other, um, MCs that I'm very close with. They're like family. And that one's actually like a storytelling concept. Um, the only thing that's standing in our way right now is pretty much the intro because the intro was, we never intended to actually release it as like a full length on digital platforms. We didn't know how, you know, what it would turn like. So the intro is recorded over, um, you know, a beat that we can't use. The whole album itself, other than that, is all original. So we're trying to redo the intro so that we can um, get that released. So Hopefully those two projects will come out along with the album and it will buy me time to write all the new stuff that I want to do this year. So that's it in a nutshell. Dope, man. Um, Shavar was the one who asked that question. Uh, but I we don't know what his thoughts on that are because we still can't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> but I know he can hear us because he's laughing. So like... <laughs> Yeah, I think now we're definitely gonna have to edit this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one sec. Yeah, he's a, one sec. One, one sec. sec. Yeah. Oh, he's gone again. <laughs> and there he is. Yeah, he's probably gonna try calling back in. Yeah. Um. I I think I have a feeling what happened. That was my best estimate of it all. I think that what happened was because I think that from the size of the uh, the screen, it looks like he was going on his computer. Yeah, yeah, completely different angle. Yet. Yeah, um, I think the phone died. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Keith? Well, well, what albums are you dropping this year? Yo, you have no idea, <laughs> <laughs> and neither do I. Um. <laughs> 
I heard you dropped yeah. for the hammer of Thor. That that would be a good uh, good name That'll for the be a album. Sick Thor. album name, the Hammer of Thor. <laughs> I got uh, I got to practice my skills a little more. Weapon. I haven't uh, I haven't been rapping in a long time. Actually, never. That's good for marketing. <laughs> yeah, what, what are you dropping this year? But, but if I ever do, of Thor. yeah, Hammer of Thor. That that'll be the the album name if I ever do. So yeah, you have full. You have two full projects done. Weapon. Um, right now, and then you you, uh, you just have to. It, technically, it's like one project, one full length album, one collaborative uh, album in terms of like collaborations, kind of like what Tech Nine does. Yeah, like collaborators, and then a pre-recorded album as a group that I want to re-release, but definitely on digital platforms instead of just like it being like floating around on the net. Yeah, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. You're working. That's sick. Yeah, and then the new stuff will be worked on while this is all this is being pushed. So there'll be content floating around as I work on the new, whatever the new uh, image of what Weapon X will be. Post-surgery yeah, and post-pandemic. Uh, sorry to hear about your surgery, man. I don't even know what it was for. I don't know if you want to say it, but I apologize. Oh, no, I said it me. earlier. It was a uh, nose and throat surgery. And nose and throat. To uh, treat sleep apnea. So. Oh, the deviated septum? The uh, I had the deviated septum. I've had uh, they drew my turbinites. I have no uvula. It's been removed. So I'm a human with no uvula. And uh, they took out my all my tonsils. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's just a whole number. Did, and they did, did it all at once. Yeah. Did that like affect you ne- like negatively in terms of your voice? Or, do you think, or did it open you up? Or I would say my breath control is better, even though I got to get back into stamina in terms of working out. But overall, I breathe better, I sleep better, and uh, it might my voice might even sound a little bit clearer. But it, there is a slight difference. It's never going to be totally the same because, I mean, when you're stuffed up, it's never going to be the same anyway. But Yeah, yeah, for sure. A little less nasally, but still nasally. But you can't do anything about that. That's what I've been given. So, Yeah, I did the septoplasty the, uh, to my nose. And uh, that, was, that was cool. It helped me out. But my nose looks all fucked. More fucked up than it looked before, but it is what it is. I breathe better. <laughs> Hey, it's funny, bro. You know, a lot of Persian girls use like their, uh, they kind of make up an excuse like, oh, like I have breathing problems, dad. I want a nose job. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, Persian, Persian doctors have like combined it into their practice, right? So, like, you can get covered by the government, but like in Toronto, a lot of, a lot of Persian doctors, you can get covered by the, doc- the government and you can like get a little cosmetic done. But, um, for me, it was like priority was the same thing, my sleep, my health and all that shit. So yeah. I just wanted to get it done as fast as possible without, you know, being like, hey, can you make me look better? And then having to wait like fucking three years for it yeah. or whatever, because they're all booked up. Yeah, I mean. But, yo, if you go to Iran, that's like a different story, man. Like you, oh, you, you got can the go... best surgeons over there, too. <laughs> yo, you can go there and like get it done in like a day. Yeah. <laughs> like. And, it's like, and it's like going good. to a barbershop. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, it's it's that common, dude. And uh it's like weird. Like over there, like like uh it's almost a taboo to not get a nose job. Like if you're a girl. Yeah. Like even if you're born with like a perfectly small, like 
perfectly shaped nose like you they still want you to get a nose job it's like a symbol of like status now yeah it's unfortunate bro i don't know very uh, i guess i guess yeah it is um yeah you know, it's i don't know what that's rooted from um i've i've dabbled and then entertained the ideas of what they could be rooted from but i don't think i've figured it out like but I think we t- we touched on that a, um, a couple pretty dope topics in the clubhouse group that one day. Um, and I think somebody somebody mentioned like the um, how how because of our integra- integration with like global society, we're um, trying to look more Western, trying to be more Western, um, especially through like Hollywood and things like that, and watching like Western movies and stuff like women want to be more like the um, beautiful, beautiful women they see on, on Western tel- television and men want to be more like, you know what I mean? Closer to yeah. that Brad Pitt or whatever when it's not even in our fucking genetics. <laughs> like, have you seen, like, and this is not to rip on the artist himself, but uh, have you seen Saucy Moncon's new music video? Uh, I heard a lot about it. I heard a lot about it. I didn't end up pulling it up, but that was Alexis, Alexis Texas. Alexis, yeah, like that. he's dancing with Alexis Texas. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, like, he's a good, like, I actually somewhat, like, fuck with his music. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, some of us get fired. <laughs> I've been to his concert three years ago in New York City. Like, I was, like, a few feet away from him. Like, but I think the issue, again, it comes down to, like, these girls, they see a bunch of, like, fuckboy persian dudes dancing with white girls and having fun with white girls and like that so that kind of puts this seed in their heads like all right like uh like we're not even pretty enough for our own men so like Mm. in order to fix this problem we have to kind of like dye our hair blonde get these like weird types of nose jobs and uh um you know like puff up our lips and um and I think, and I know it's like, and I know it goes like deeper than that, like, because, and like multiply that with the fact that any, well, I'm not going to like talk about politics and stuff, but over there, like, it's just the fact like women are not allowed to like show their hair in public. Right. Um, so I think when, because of that, it sort of amplifies them and it incentivizes them to even do more things to their face because it's the only thing they can like express, right? So it's sort of, I don't know, there's a lot of layers to it, but um, th- that's just like my hey, two cents. For me as well, it's like do, do whatever makes you feel good, right? Like if, yeah. if it makes you feel good to, to get a nose job and look at yourself in the mirror and not have a, a, a nose that does this shit, like do it up. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like I wish I could collectively say to like, our entire Iranian community that like our women are fucking beautiful. Like I see just naturally too, you know, like I hear it. I hear it a lot from people, I guess it's because I'm Iranian, but people who aren't Persian, like the whole exoticism thing, I guess you could say where they're like, Oh, you're Persian women. Like Iranian women are so beautiful, man. Like, why don't you get yourself an Iranian wife? <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think we need all that shit as a collectively, but like on the individual level, I'm sure like some people face bullying and all this crazy shit as well. That's not, it's not just specific to like 
social conditioning, but also it could be boiled down to like individual experiences as well. Um, so it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. But can you argue that those individual experiences stem from social conditions? So for example, like if you're like the one Brown girl in school, and like all these other white girls see you and like you obviously you look different from them you know what i mean so like, it, like even though it's like on an individual level like it's because it's her personal experience but what she experienced you could argue stems from a greater social problem yeah that we have as yeah, a yeah absolutely uh no you're right bro 100 percent. just yeah just my just my opinion um but yo, I think we touched upon a lot of great topics. Uh, I think we're touching on like I think we're almost at two hours now, so I think this is a good place to end it. Um, we really we're really grateful for you to uh, be on the show, dude. Uh, like I said, man, I, you do inspire me as an artist. Like you're one of the very few local artists I listen to that I'm like, yo, like I want to go create more. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I can just tell, like when you, when you do what you do, like I can tell you're in this type of flow and it makes me really want to get into that state. Um, so like, um, kudos to you, man. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks man. Appreciate that. And I appreciate the, like uh, the constant feedback as well. And like hitting me up and in detail about certain things, like it's a, it becomes an affirmation to some of my journey. Right. Cause like, for example, not to like, go on a tangent and make this last longer but um when you hit me up about my my focus album and, and mentioned the mixing on it like i did all the mixing right and to what i what i thought at that time was mastering and um i was trying to do some some like shit that was um different and i was trying to combine some of the old school and the new new school within the mixing process right so when you hit me and literally said that like I said, it's got a sound of its own, a little bit of the past and the present, I think is what you said. Like that to me is like, it means so much to me because it's like an affirmation of what I was trying to do in that process. So I appreciate it, bro. Real shit. You see, bro, like, uh, and no, like, like what we call today, like mumble rappers, like the same gimmicky, uh, types of deliveries. And I, I'm only like throwing the word mumble rapper just because like we, like when I say mumble rapper, you know what I'm talking about. So uh but like some people like when they criticize these mumble rappers they say things like um you know like 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 when people defend the mumble rap from critics they're like oh well this is just music evolving i i don't see it that way i don't think it's evolving like i like when i listen to that kind of stuff uh like for example like if we're talking like the early 2010s like what my what i view as like evolving was like slaughterhouse right or like or like uh nowadays like rappers like locksmith um who like sound who take like the old and they make it and the flow gets even more complicated and complex and stuff or what or like what i listen to your stuff today in the car and the other day i'm like this is like what evolution of hip-hop should be like this is evolution of hip-hop this is like completely new but when i listen to like the what we call mumble rap like to me that's not an evolution that's just a completely different musical genre whether you like it or not like i'm not even trying to like rip on it it's just like it's not the evolution of rap it's not rap. yeah i think i think one of our problems in the hip-hop 
industry is that we don't we don't subgenre as much as we should. Like we there should be subgenres, much more subgenres than there are. It's the biggest genre in the world. We should be splitting it into pieces and and acknowledging things like, for example, mumbo rap. And we say mumbo rap, but like, and I know you you did your um, disclaimer on it, but like. We say mumble rap, but like fucking Michael Jackson was like a mumble rapper too. A lot of times I'm like, what the fuck did that? that, that, that what the fuck did he just say? Like, yeah, James Brown too. Like, I'm like, what the fuck did that? That, like, that shit sounds fire, but like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like even that stuff, like, no, because the way I see, again, I'm going on a tangent, but like the thing, the way I see hip hop, like, let's say I take this, um, the way I see genres in general is like, I don't even need this. Uh, the way I see genres in general is like, think of a hierarchy, like a pyramid, um, and then flip it upside down, right? So at the bottom, you have the point of like the main pioneer or the pioneers or whatever it is at that, at that very point, And then it expands out by generation, right? And then like the further, the longer uh, uh, a long time you go, the more that it expands out. And each row uh, from that upside down triangle or pyramid each row is inspired by the lower role right of artists so now we're at this point where hip-hop has lasted so long now within with, throughout these uh, last uh, few decades um, and it's reached um, it's become the biggest and acknowledged as the as, as the biggest genre in the world now and now we're at this point where we have all these artists that are inspired by different rows of this of this pyramid, right? And I think it's beautiful, and I think it is part of the evolution of it. Um, but where we get caught up in this idea that we have to get rid of the ones that aren't mainstream, or like ignore them, or not give them their full grace, and then there's this whole hierarchy idea of who's your favorite rap who's the top rapper what's your top five what's your top 10 and it's like yo i honestly hate that question like when people say what's your top five i can't answer it i'm like top five what top five rappers rappers that do what that sold the most that flow the best that have the best bars like what do you want (laughs) all around like there's so much different fucking so many different fucking variables but people want to boil it down to the simple idea of things right that and it's part. always complicated right yeah that part especially I, I find myself in agreement with you and i do and the, the pyramid upside down pyramid analogy is perfect i want to piggyback off of that i feel like the industry went backwards too because Okay, so you got the underground, you got the upside down pyramid, right? They turned it into a diamond. Yeah. Okay, it went out like this, and yeah. they're like, well, we're not making enough money because there's too many subgenres. Let's go like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And actually, it's crazy that you said that because um, before I was talking, I actually envisioned for that because I've thought about this upside down pyramid thing a lot. But I envisioned the diamond as well and thinking like in kind of a different context and thinking like, okay, there's the point and the pioneers um, at the bottom here. Uh, but what's at the other tip? Is that like the destroyer of the genre? Is that, you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, that's interesting. That is that is an interesting way to put it. The industry yeah. sees it and says there's too much shit. But yeah, I think if we, I don't know though, because at the same time I say like, if we split it up into subgenres, it'd be productive. But at the same time, like rock did that, and and I mean, rock rock had its its hard times, right? In the last couple of decades, kind of fell off a little bit. It's still so right. Though. The legends are still treated like legends. Unlike oh, absolutely. I mean, you look yeah. at somebody like uh, if the Stones decided to come out and tour today, they'd still sell out. They'd slap, yeah. If I say Fuji Rap is coming to perform this weekend, you have a hard time filling up like, uh, you know, like a smaller venue. And to me, that's, that's fucking flat out wrong because it's like, no matter, I don't care if you're a mumble rapper or whatever, I don't even want to classifies that no matter what generation you came from these guys are the foundation of what you create now you even if you want to say this is a youth movement and this is what we do as a youth you wouldn't have a platform to do this without the guys down below now that's yeah. not to knock down the older heads either i know a lot of them i've met a lot of them a lot of them are cool people but a lot of them have this narrow-minded asshole mentality about you know like young people destroying the culture too. I get that they're different ones, but they're both faulty. But um, the same way that we need to recognize that there is a youth movement and there is evolution and people do um, create music based on the vibes and the environment that we are right now. And it's not going to be the same. We do also need to look down and acknowledge, hey, I will be able to make this stuff right now. You think like a Yachty would have a platform to create what he creates right now or the baby if 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there wasn't a cool G rap or there wasn't a, a, a rock uh, yeah, yeah. or oh, whatever. Show. Yeah. Show. And you know, like that's that's where I like give artists like Lil Baby, for example, a lot of credit because like he does he does the 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 kind of vibey music that's not um raw in hip-hop in its essence right but at the same time if you listen to him in his interview with joe budman he goes you know i haven't even studied hip-hop yet i i i just make started making music while i was drug dealing and i made a couple songs and i blew up he's like within these next couple years one of my goals is to actually study hip-hop and see where i can grow right so like we a lot of the time we're looking at from the outside and just hearing the music and be like all these ignorant motherfuckers but like there's artists like him where you can probably get that vibe and that feeling off of just yeah. hearing a song. And then and then you hear him say something like that. You're like, see, like that's awareness right there, right? But I also think like the vibey music isn't what's going to be like coined as legendary in 20 years, right? That's why artists like Drake, they drop things like 4 a.m. in Calabasas, where he's just rapping his fucking ass off for, for three, three, four minutes straight. You know what I mean? Because then he'll drop his vibey songs, but like they're probably going to be those nostalgic feeling R&B vibes. But then like enable for him to hold his position as one of the greatest, he has to drop songs like 4AM and Calabasas where he's actually rapping his fucking ass off. Right? So I think yeah, gotta flex on him. Exactly. You have to. If, if you want to last, if you care about legacy, you have to oh, fucking... Man. 
I know this conversation can go on for hours because I know I have a lot to say about that. I know Weapon has a lot to say about that. But oh, yeah. I, I do think we got to end it right here. Yeah, let's end it. Bit, let's end yeah, it. We ended it on a very high note, a high intellectual note. Every time I get You're saying I can't go into the 20 subgenres of metal now? Come on now. <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> I don't even know, Mom. I'm just, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> Every time I get into it, I talk I, I, with one of you guys like it ends up being like a three four five hour conversation and uh that's why i love you guys so um thank you for coming on to the show bro you're always welcome if you ever feel like you need a platform to talk about something um you know you're we you're always welcome here and um we really appreciate what you you know your takes on things and like i said i i really do like your music man and um Definitely can't wait to see what you put out. You've officially so earned your crown on this show. Your show is in You've joined hey. the alumni. Let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this back and hear the shit we talk. Um, and y'all are awesome, man. The vibes are dope. I am so down to come back and just talk shit. You know what I mean? So let's we get it. Let's get it. With that being said, to everyone who's still listening, uh, thank you for listening to all of this. You guys are the real ones. We, uh, we, we do this for you guys. And uh, until next time, take care. All right.